Hello, and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters in different parts of the country talk with family and friends about their favorite movies from their childhood um, or movies that remind them of their childhood. So uh, today we have a very special guest and a very, well, two very special guests and a very special movie, and I'll let Eleanor introduce. So today we have Laysan and Ryan, and Laysan picked a movie that she enjoyed in her childhood, and I will not attempt to pronounce the Russian title, but the English title translates to Kidnapping Caucasian Style, Yes, which is like a great title no matter what. I was talking to some, a friend yesterday about the title of the movie, and she's like, what? I was like, no, 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 the caucus as in the region, and not yeah. like, just like, yeah. white people. I literally, that's <laughs> why I chose this movie. When you gave us the list, I saw this name, and I was like, what is this? What does this mean? Because I hadn't made the connection to the caucus either, so. Yeah, so I'm really excited for what what people think, but Laysan and Ryan, could you tell us a little bit more about yourselves, um, kind of like what you do, your interests, and again, like how you came to pick this movie? All right, so I'm Ryan, and uh, I guess my interest would probably be movies and films. I actually work in the film industry. I'm a programmer for uh, artists uh, who make CGI. I'm originally from Texas, and I've been out here in L.A. for about five years, on and off. Uh, and I'm Lisan. I live in Los Angeles with Ryan, and I'm originally from Russia. And Ryan has some experience watching Russian movies, and we have um, talked a bit about which movie to pick because Russia, uh, Ryan had some bad experiences with Russian movies, including... One that lasted about five hours. Oh, it never ended. So, um, <laughs> fell asleep, woke up, still it, going on. Took a second nap, still, still going on. End. Yeah, yeah. So we decided not to torture you with <laughs> other movies. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. And the list um, that I thought about uh, included pretty much only comedies because, and comedies only from really one director. Uh, because a lot of Russian movies tend to be super depressing. Mm-hmm. And we, again, didn't really want to depress you. And <laughs> that's why we picked sort of like a funny a funny movie. But I, um, I, like I said, I'm from Russia. My interests are, I'm interested in movies, including, you know, Russian movies that remind me of my childhood. And um, uh, we wanted to mentioned that we like um, two podcasts that are our favorites. How did this get made? It actually also talks about movies, uh, but usually bad movies. <laughs> yesterday we went to see... <gasps> did you go what? to a taping? Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. We went to How Did This Get Made in Largo, and their special guest was John Lovett, who yeah. is a co-host of uh, Pod Save America and Love It or Leave It. Uh, from the Crooked Media, so... Complete surprise. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, that's so, that's, so fun. Uh, what I'm interested in, <laughs> I listen to <laughs> How Does Get Made and Pots Hip America daily. Oh, 
That's incredible. I saw Jason Manzukis in a coffee shop recently, oh, and really? one of oh, and one of my friends is obsessed with him, like in a really <laughs> um, unhealthy way. A lot of people are. <laughs> um, lot of people are. <laughs> yeah, and especially because he's such a. I mean, he's such a funny looking dude, but to her, he's like the most attractive, desirable man. And so immediately, I texted her, and she was like, "Can you take a creeper pic?" And I was like, "No, I made eye contact already." Mm. I was like, "I can draw you an image." That <laughs> is oh. just like a bearded man. <laughs> oh, so that's funny. So cool. That must have been such a fun taping. Yeah, it was. It was really the, fun. The crowd was very rowdy. And you know, talking about people who are obsessed with Jason, there was one guy who got up to ask a question and said that his wife wants to leave him for Jason. Yep. That was actually what. <laughs> that's awkward. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jason was like, I kind of want to see her destroy him, <laughs> but nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Too perfect. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's a little awkward. Ah. What are you yeah. guys interested in? <sighs> well, I I moved out to Los Angeles to go to film school, so I do love film, and I attempted the industry for a little bit, but I decided very quickly I did not like the <laughs> industry. Um, <laughs> and it's not for everyone. It really no, isn't. Um, yeah, they and, yeah, it's a lot, but I love movies. I love education, and um, I love organizing events or like organization in general. Like making uh, Google Docs and then organizing Google calendars is like very strange passion to have. But it's a you know, you know productive passion. Someone's got to have it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and thank God you have it, so other people don't have to do it. I bet Annie is very, very excited about <laughs> that passion of yours. <laughs> All the passion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Annie's um, passionate about love. Yeah, I love love. Um, I love people. I'm passionate about people. I guess I like. So, um, I about like a week and a half ago, I herniated a disc in my lower back, and so I've been pretty much like a shut in for a week and a half. Um, yeah. And I'm like really missing people, so <laughs> I and I guess well, that's we're glad to bring some. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's talk about life. Yeah, right. let's talk all about the all the good things, all the good. But it was so. I have to say that I it was really great. My mom and I. My mom is like a super fabulous um, nurse, and she and I have been watching like a movie an afternoon, and it was great to have this movie be one of our movies. <laughs> like, it definitely oh, wow. helped the the time go by. It was like, this is a hilarious film. <laughs> so, thanks for suggesting it. Our entire Huntington family actually got to enjoy this Russian movie. Oh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm oh, glad. yeah. Um, okay, so we usually talk about one thing, like one pop culture thing from this week that is particularly interesting to us. You guys mentioned that you guys went to a podcast taping, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, but Eleanor, yeah, and- sorry, go ahead. I would say my biggest pop culture thing of the week was on Friday, I went to see Mamma Mia at the Hollywood Bowl, and Corbin Blue was in it, and I forget what a good dancer he is. And he, That was like such a highlight. It was great. And then I went home. And then luckily a friend and I, not luckily, but a friend and I had finished like two bottles of wine by ourselves. (laughs) And then we, and then luckily we Ubered there. And then, so she was at my apartment and then she needed to sober up. So then we watched like an hour and a half worth of High School Musical one, two, and three clips to like talk about him dancing. It was great. (laughs) That's hilarious. Like adults. (laughs) Like adults. (laughs) Um, 
My favorite pop culture thing of the week, again, I've been watching, like, tons of movies, um, but I got a chance to finally see The Promise, which is the movie about the Armenian genocide, and I felt like I learned a lot. Like, I felt like I, I left, finished watching that movie and was like, oh, I understand more. Um, and then I did a lot of reading, so I think that, that movie. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Ryan has his favorite story that he keeps repeating to me because he loves it so so much <laughs> uh it's a little political but uh anthony scarmucci is the new uh communication director whatever it is yeah uh he went on a rant for about 30 seconds uh i'm gonna try and repeat it for you uh it's almost a north korean type rant it, it's fantastic <laughs> oh a russian type rant, which is you know yeah. perfect for today's podcast. yes so he's he on the topic of uh trump and he says I've seen him throw a dead spiral through a tire. I've seen him wear a trench coat in Madison Square Garden. The man has hit foul shots and keys in the rain. He is a winner. We've come here to win, and that's what we're going to do. Damn. That that's is amazing. Poetry. That is amazing. And by the way, he's remembering this by heart. Yeah, I'm also very impressed that you know that. That's amazing. It's just un it's unbelievable. Like, that needs to be performed in coffee shops with, like, snap jars and stuff and, like, beanies and, like, frustrated writers. Like, that's perfect. But, but you know, the the funny part about it is that they... Uh, they edited it. They yeah. edited it as a transcript. In the original one, he, he says something like he, he sinks three-foot putts or something. And then in the Wait, written transcript... Stop! He's, they, they said he uh, sinks 30-foot putts. Wait, that is so funny. <laughs> And that's what makes it an actual story. <laughs> yeah. Karamuchi is a gift. And he is. Like a really terrible gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. John Lovitz must have had so many opinions yesterday. It would have been phenomenal. Yeah. You, you know, the movie that they were talking about was Garbage Pale Kids. Mm -hmm. So I think John Lovitz was at a loss. Uh <laughs> On what to really... It's culturally deprived of anything. <laughs> this is a terrible movie. movie. Are you familiar with Garbage Pail Kids, like, trading parks? No, is that a thing? That is a thing. Yeah, they still make them. They started making them a long time ago. Two or something. The movie came out in 1987, yeah. so which means they started making cards before that. But it's a satire on cabbage... Cabbage Patch Kids. Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. And that movie is really terrible and disturbing. And if you have sensitive uh, brain, <laughs> you should not watch it. It's really, it's gross and disturbing. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'll not be checking that one out. And John Lovett was visibly disturbed. Yes. Throughout the movie, as everyone else in the crowd. We, everyone was booing as they started playing clips. Yeah. No one wanted it. Yeah. No, it's probably the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, my goodness. Which, I mean, realistically, that's a perfect segue into kidnapping Caucasian style, which is not yes! the worst movie I've ever seen by far. Agreed. I enjoyed it. Wait, okay, how do you pronounce it in Russian? Like, um, okay, so it's called Kafkaskaya Plenitsa, which actually is... Um, it's very similar to Leo Tolstoy and Pushkin's, which is a very famous poet, um, novels that they wrote, and they were called Kafkaski Plenik. So it's the same 
name, but about a male uh, versus female. So uh, the name of this movie was a player. So Kafkaskaya Menitsa means a Caucasian hostage. Yes. Again, oh. Caucasian, not in terms of white. Right. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> no, but that's interesting because because it, after watching this movie, I know I did a little bit of kind of like background reading just Same. Like from IMDb and Wikipedia. And one of the points, I again, like not the most credible sources, but part of the reason they're like, oh, this doesn't translate as well overseas, even though it was such a box office hit and still is if you look for adjusted like adjusted for inflation Mm -hmm. within the former Soviet Union but it was because so much of it was like localized content and even that title like we can enjoy the title kidnapping Caucasian style but we wouldn't understand the reference to like great works of literature right Mm -hmm. right yeah and I think that's one of the reasons um this director Leonid Gaidai has um directed many very very uh, popular and financially successful movies, but none of them are known outside of, um, well, Russia and then uh, former Soviet Union countries because they're uh, very specific. And I think that people from other countries will necessarily understand the cultural context. That is, I mean, so truthfully, I found this movie just like fascinating and funny. And I was so intrigued by it that I too went online and did a lot of reading. And I read that the three kind of um, like captor characters were like they were in a couple movies and were like the Russian Three Stooges. Um, And I found them just like hilarious like everything about them i was like what are these people doing like who are these humans um yeah they were like they were like a strange three stooges yes you could clearly see which one was which but then they didn't have the sort of uh attitude that they you know larry curly and mo normally embody there wasn't as much physical violence against each other it was it was more sort of like you're you're like one guy was drunk completely the entire time. Right. Stealing money. <laughs> like that's not mm-hmm. a, a trait at all. Yeah. <laughs> Being a drunk is probably a trait. No, it's a trait, <laughs> not of not of the Three Stooges. I think. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Yeah, it's much. The comedy itself was much more, in a sense, character driven as opposed to any type of physical comedy. Like it was not a farce in that sense. No. Okay. Uh, can I talk about one of my favorite parts? Like for sure, was watching all of the people learning how to do the twist at their, like, fake dance lessons. I, for some reason, thought that scene was so funny. It was so funny because the way that he was describing it even, being like, and then you put the butt of your cigarette on the ground and then you smash this one with this foot. And then all of a sudden, they're really good at it. Like, out of nowhere, everyone in the dance hall is, like, excellent twisters. I just, it was amazing. (laughs) You know, oh, the dancing was I would I would say throughout because there was a lot of dancing. She danced like, on a rock at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she does while singing about a bear. Right? About a bear. Yes. The dancing was great, but it was also so funny too because it it was very clear to me like manic pixie dream girl that whole stereotype. Yes. I was like oh like it predates like 
uh, Natalie Portman in Garden State is definitely like girl that they're kidnapping. Right. (laughs) Because she's like very much like one with nature. But as they say over and over again, she's also a young comrade. Like what else could be better, you know? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very important point that she's a young Komsomol uh, uh, comrade. Yeah, for sure, very oh. important in uh, calculating women's attractiveness. As well. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually read online too how they picked that specific actress, and I thought this was kind of interesting. So apparently they had a really hard time um, casting her, and they like did did screen tests for five hundred women. But they chose her because she, um, before she did this film, she was a tightrope artist and so could do her own stunts. But they, like, knew that, like, for dialogue, she was going to be worse. So it was just very funny to read about why they, why the director chose. But then she didn't do any stunts. I, well, uh, I mean, she did some stunts, I suppose. She should have at least done one tightrope stunt, right? Uh, yeah, they should have yeah, done that. And, you know, she feels as if they could have written it in. (laughs) She she learned to drive a car specifically for this movie, by the way. Oh, no way. And because she was not an actress, she was, um, you know, a tightrope circus performer. Uh, None of the words in this movie that come out of her mouth are her. It's uh, dubbed by by an actress. Wait, what? Uh, By another actress. Yeah. Um, It's just not just the singing or... No, the singing was done by an, an... a singer, and then the words were done by uh, an actress, Wait, another actress. stop. That is so funny. And uh, then, in, you know, jump into the future, she became a singer, and she actually was a poet, so she wrote some songs, she performed some songs, and people became kind of upset that in this movie, they didn't let her sing or speak. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. Because, in fact, she had, you know, a pretty good voice because she became a singer. Wait, that is so funny. Oh my gosh. That's perfect. It really is. Okay. Yes. What were some of the, like, political implications or that we might have missed watching this in 2017? Mm -hmm. Because I'm assuming, was there any part of the film that was deemed critical of the state at the time, or would that have been totally unacceptable? Yeah. So, um, did we talk about the synopsis of the movie in general? Like, what oh is no. About? Yeah, let's, no. Uh, let's do that. <laughs> yes, please. And then I'll jump into okay, uh, sort of the political part of it. So, the movie is about the movie is taking place in the Caucasus, hence the name Caucasian style kidnapping. <laughs> and it's not clear where it is taking place. I think because they didn't want to point out like one country over another you might have been in georgia or armenia even their accents you're saying are yes. sort of not all from one place yeah so their accents uh obviously the main character he has just the russian you know uh, accent but uh, a lot of them who are supposed to be locals they have an accent that you would associate with a georgian or azeri or armenian and it makes um, sense because uh, the main character is traveling yes exactly so uh, usually, Russian wouldn't be their native language. Uh, their native language is, you know, wherever they live, mm-hmm. so say Georgian. Uh, so they do have an accent when they speak. And uh, the main guy, he's traveling there on vacation to collect folklore and toasts. Yeah. And when he's there, he 
um, you know, becomes attached to this young lady who is an orphan. Wait, hold on. Appears from the forest. <laughs> starts starts a truck that wouldn't move and a donkey that refused to, to budge. To budge. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. She's got the power of the comrade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she has an aunt and an uncle who live in the Caucasus, so she comes to visit them. And the uncle sells her for 20 sheep, sheep in the fridge. And a vacation to Siberia. Siberia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sells her to uh, one of the powerful men in the village. He uh, looked like he controlled it in some sort. Yeah, Is he. There a name for that? Uh, he was. Um, no, I can't. I can't remember. But he say like he's a mayor of this little village. Okay. Right. Um. So he sells her uncle sells. Uh, his niece to this powerful man and the man uh, then wants to kidnap her because she doesn't want to marry him and uh, the uncle hires three stooges let's call them three bandits that are attempting to steal her but the guy who is in love with her roped into that without knowing that he's actually a part of kidnapping and can so I say, they can I just go ahead and make a uh, that, that plot line makes no sense to me <laughs> the, reason, the reason they get him on board to kidnap her is because he keeps following her. But he stops following her after a day. Right? Like, the reason they don't kidnap her is because he's around. The, right. The, yeah. the story, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not with her at night, say. Yeah, just wait. Just wait. Yeah, they couldn't wait. They just had to. Yeah. So instead, they had to, yeah, they come up with this huge story. I yeah. would agree with that. Now that I'm thinking about that, they... Anyway, okay. Yeah, good point. <laughs> So then they are successfully kidnapping her. She is locked in the house and they're trying to convince her to be okay with getting married to a man she doesn't really know who is, seems to be much older than her. And then eventually the guy who's visiting, who is collecting folklore, he and the friend that he randomly made, mm -hmm. the one who works in psychiatric hospital as a delivery guy of some sort. Yeah, some sort of first aid driver. Yeah, and they together rescue her and then bring justice in a creepy way to the guy who ordered her kidnapping. That's, in the nutshell, what was happening. <laughs> um, the movie was actually not allowed to uh, be shown at, at, at first, but then uh, the leader of the Soviet Union at that point, Brezhnev, got to see it, and then he allowed it to be, to be shown. So at first it was, I guess, considered too political. To even show but um the political implication is that russia and the countries in the caucasus they never really truly got along i think that the caucasus always thought of russia as imposing their will mm. and uh not really taking into account their culture and tradition so it might be a commentary on how russians continue to impose you know, their will and their civil laws and their view of the culture there. Um, not that I agree that kidnapping should continue to take place. Um, but actually, the plot itself, Gaidai, the director of the movie, came up with it after reading a news story uh, in, a, in a newspaper about a man kidnapping a girl to, to marry her. So it came out from a true story that did happen. 
during that time. That's crazy. And another funny part. Did that, did that story oh. work? How did that one end up? Do you yeah. Know? I don't know. Probably did marry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another funny part of it that has to do with politics is that um, in USSR, all of the movies were funded by the government and then all of the revenue went back to the government. So um, part of it, because it's funded by the government, it had to be approved by a government agency, which at that point was Mosfilm. Um, and the guy who was one of the main people there, his last name was Zakov, and the bad guy in the movie's uh, last name was Zakov. So after he received this movie when it was done and everything and editing was done, he said, you have to redo everything because I don't want the name of the bad guy to be so similar to my last name. Wait, stop. So, yes. Is that also, could that be why it was delayed, delayed as well? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Or not released. Maybe. It, but then they figured it out and a person who's like above that guy oh. said, this is stupid. Let's not do that. And they didn't end up like redubbing everything. Um, it would have helped if you would have just read the, the, read script, the script before first? you approved it. Right. <laughs> that might have worked. Maybe. <laughs> and then um, as we talked, uh, we talked about it before, it was very financially successful and it sold million tickets. Um, however, the director, Guy Dai, only received a very small portion of the tickets because the revenue went back to the state. And then the actors uh, also didn't receive much at all. Like the main actors received 300 rubles, which is, and that's it. That's like 300 they dance lessons. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's just two average salaries in the Soviet time. So, and she received nothing else. And she went back to being a circus tightrope walker after this movie. Yeah. <laughs> What were your favorite parts from the film? And would you have not only gone to the film back in the day, but would you have recommended it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Go That's a great question. Oh my gosh. There were so many good parts to this movie. I particularly love the somewhat random, but apparently lasting friendship of the main character, the guy with the glasses, and then the guy who's driving the truck. Like, I feel like anytime they interacted, I was like, but what are you really doing here? Like, how are you guys at all connected? But they seem to be great friends. So I kind of appreciated that. Um, but as I said before, I loved the the dance. Um, oh, yeah. That, that, I was going to say like 100%. Like the dance was absolutely my favorite. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, the song that she sings yeah. was pretty great. I enjoyed that immensely. Like, I didn't really understand what the song was about, but she was, like, pretty cute and standing on a stone dancing, so it worked. This song, everyone in Russia would still not only be able to recognize where it's from, but sing you almost every single word from it. I can guarantee you that everyone who was born in Soviet Union knows this song by heart. That is so fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that this movie could, could have such, like, kind of cult status, in Russia, and, like, I had never heard of it until you sent us the link, you know? Like, it's just, it's fascinating that a movie can be so important in one part of the world, and, like, another part of the world has no idea. Right. You know, and apart from the song, I was telling Ryan that 
a lot of this movie, a lot of phrases from this movie I used in like everyday speech. People, um, you know, use sort of like you have, I'll be back. <laughs> and everyone sort of includes in their everyday speech and makes jokes about it and everyone recognizes where it's from. This movie has probably at least 10 of the phrases where you would use it. I remember my mom using it. I remember my friends using it in everyday speech. And it's to this day, even though this came out such a long time ago, people would still use phrases from this movie in their like everyday daily communication. Can you give us an example? Like, I'm just curious. Like, what part of the movie it came from? Like, any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of uh, very popular phrases is from one of the first scenes when he is getting drunk because he's collecting toasts. Right. So in one scene, he is starting to cry after a toast. Uh, the toast about a bird flying too high in the sun yes. and burning the wings and falling down into the cave. And he says, which means I feel so sorry for the bird. But in Russian, it's much shorter and it's just much funnier. So people say that all the time. That's a very common thing you would hear. It's a um, kind of like, let me get my violins or something in the United States. Like, it's just like overly sure, dramatic. Yeah, yeah that would okay. be similar to that. Oh, interesting. Um, then another part, it's still in the same... Uh, when he's getting so drunk that uh, he starts like yelling things out when they're opening the marriage castle um, and he says uh, talk slower I'm writing this down uh, that's another thing that Russians feel, Russian people say a lot uh, in, in what sense? Um, you know like it, we would be in a university we would be writing, actually writing things down and we would joke about like Gotcha. Talk slower and yeah. write this down. Um, uh, and another thing, the, when three stooges, three bandits are coming to meet with Shurik and the uncle of the girl, uh, they are basically not speaking any Russian. And so they're making up a language. It's not a real language. They're just saying things. And for some reason, oh. the one that Nikulin says... Um, it's not even a real word, but people in Russia say that. Say that. No. The, and the, the guy was the guy in the black hat. Um, not a big black hat, like a small black hat. The one that the was beret. Smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Um. Yeah. So uh, lots, lots of. <laughs> Do you say it when you're like lost or confused or that, or when you just want to like break ice I guess sometimes you can say that (laughs) that is so funny oh how interesting how many times do you think how many times do you think you've seen this movie in your life uh probably at least 30 yeah I've seen it twice with her now (laughs) (laughs) what how was it the first time you saw it like is it the type of movie that every family would own a copy of or is it something that would play on television frequently like how did you first consume it Mm -hmm. so to give you some background about my childhood and how technology is a little behind in russia we did not have a vhs player or dvd player so our family never owned 
any DVDs or VHS mm. copies. The only two VHS copies I've ever seen in my childhood slash teenage years was at my un un uncle and aunt's house. And it was one VHS of Mr. Bean and <laughs> one VHS of uh, like nannies. It was a uh, movie about yeah. two Samoan like wrestlers. <laughs> That's so funny. Nannies. And we watched those two movies about a hundred times because every time we came came over and my mom and dad were talking, you know, with adults, we would be put in the living room and we would have a choice of two movies. <laughs> well, Mr. Bean, I mean, how do you not choose that? Yeah, right. that was Agreed. great. But uh, yeah, so we did not have any VHS tapes or DVDs. So this movie was just on TV a lot. Um, and we would watch it whenever it came on TV. And that was frequently. <laughs> I almost equate all of their movies to be sort of the the Christmas movie that comes on in America. Mm -hmm. It's it's state owned, you know, so every channel can release these movies, and mm -hmm. and they all sort of release them around the same time because a lot of them are themed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so everyone watches them. Yeah, so we mostly just caught them on TV, and I I think that no matter how many times I watched it, I was excited to watch it again. <laughs> Understandably, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good watch. Yeah, yeah, it's a great watch. So, in the series of movies that this director did, did mm -hmm. is this one your favorite, or is there a different one, or how do you compare them across series? Uh, well, Ryan and I actually watched most of them that the director Guy Guy made. He made so from the comedies that are incredibly popular. He made nine that are, you know, very well known and were very financially successful. This one is actually a part of uh, Shurik Adventures. So the main guy, right before this movie, they had another one called called Apirace Ui. Uh, so Shurik's Adventures and the three bandits were in it as well. Uh, so it's sort of a continuation of that. And another movie that was supposed to happen but didn't, and I'm very sad about it, uh, was a movie where Shurik and the girl from uh, Kidnapping Caucasian Style, they were supposed to chase Yeti. Like There were rumors that there was like a snowman, <laughs> but it turns out that the three bandits are just hiding from police and pretending to be Yeti. So, be so that movie wasn't made... Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and that one sounds like it would have been the pinnacle of the <laughs> I mean, I think that's something that we should look into producing. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we'll all start that together. <laughs> yeah. So this is definitely uh, one of my favorite movies, maybe the top two. I also really love, and I already showed to Ryan maybe once or twice, uh, Ivan Vasilievich Changing Professions. Uh, some translated as Ivan Vasilievich, Back to the Future. And it's about a time machine. And Shurik is in it as, again, uh, he's one of the characters. He built a time machine and somehow they cross time and space. And his neighbor uh, crosses with him into the past. And his neighbor apparently looks exactly like Ivan the Terrible. And Ivan the Terrible crosses backwards into his apartment so ivan the terrible has to pretend to be just a neighbor um in you know 1980s or 1970s and his the actual neighbor from 1970s has to be has to pretend like he's the tar so oh that's my God. that movies. sounds phenomenal that one 
like I kind of want to do a follow up podcast. Like, okay. Once you return from Russia, and then we can get a hold of that one because I mean, like Ivan the Terrible. That sounds perfect. And Lisa, I don't know how much you know this, but like our. I don't know if I've talked about this, but my mom speaks Russian, and then because her father was a Russian historian, and yeah, so all of all of our like childhood stories growing up, and this is very weird for America, was like Catherine the Great and Ivan the Terrible. Like those were our bedtime (laughs) stories. So like that. Oh my god, what terrible bedtime stories! I know. (laughs) Also highly entertaining, though. You know what I mean? They sound like fake lives. Mm. And that's why I'm scared all the time. Ivan the Terrible killed his son. Good night, Eleanor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it explains a lot, right? Um, Okay. But, so, kind of like wrapping up this discussion on this phenomenal film. So good. What do you think is, like, the relevance of the film today? And can you see the film continuing to be relevant, um, particularly within... Uh, modern day Russia or more broadly the former Soviet Union? Um, I think that it is still very relevant in terms of people still watch it a lot and love it. Um, In terms of cultural context, I think that it's still somewhat relevant because uh, this attitude towards women as especially when it comes to marriage, I think still does exist in Russia and post-Soviet countries as well. So in that way, I think that, yeah, it is relevant. But I'm curious to hear what Ryan thinks about its relevance in, say, United States. Because I look at it as, you know, a Russian and Soviet Union child. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to know how he looks at it as in the context of, like, America, modern America. I definitely think that, uh, I mean, the main plot line is he's trying to gather stories from past and I think that will always be relevant. Mm. Um, but then if you go to sort of the the kidnapping part of it, that sort of becomes a, a very obtuse subject to get around. And it turns into this like actual kidnapping of a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it's That's pertinent, I feel like, in America in the sense of, yeah, people aren't treated equally in a lot of places. And... Uh, females in particular and mm-hmm. so it's i think that was going to be pertinent for hopefully not much longer but but probably around the world yeah <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately you would i would want to see this movie and be like that is not relevant at all you know no one treats women like that anymore mm-hmm. no one looks at women as just objects but uh, not the case right I also, I mean, I I feel like this movie, um, and I'm a teacher, so I kind of come at this from, like, thinking about, like, what I show my students this movie, Mm -hmm. and I don't know that I'd show them the whole movie, but I do think I would definitely show them parts, because um, I feel like for American school children, it could do a lot, like, it... The, the seeing the similarities between the three comedians of this movie and then like looking at the three stooges you see the people even though like two completely different cultures at the time like during the cold war when this was made like two different political scenes like they still find similar things funny right and i think that that can be a great message for young people to realize like well we might not speak the same language but like we laugh the same way and like we still think of love the same way and stuff like that so um mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. i think that's a really great point and <clears throat> in another movie about shurik 
which was a predecessor to this one, they're actually short stories and they have very little speaking. So, oh. and I think that can be very interesting to students to see because even without speaking and even though they were made in Soviet Russia a really long time ago, they would still probably find it very funny. Right. Yeah, she showed me those movies first because they I didn't really know any Russian. Uh, and so the comedy came across uh, definitely more physical. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's... I'll have to look that up. I'm coming at it a, a, from a very different perspective, taking out kind of like the social educational context, I would absolutely recommend this film, and I would say it's relevant in large part because... More so than the average American, I've seen a lot of foreign films, and particularly with like Russian and Soviet films, with studying film academically, both undergrad and in a graduate program. Like I've I've seen a fair number of Soviet films, but I had never seen a Soviet comedy. Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes you start to make assumptions when you don't see kind of a genre. And there's already so many assumptions about, like, Russians being, like, dark and heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a really nice counterpoint, counterbalance. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons he is, his movies are so popular. I think that he was very, very talented and could create really funny movies. But apart from that, there are no comedies other than his comedies. Um, all of the movies that are made both right now and then in the past, they were pretty dark. I mean, the other movies we've seen that are somewhat popular and somewhat recognizable in other parts of the world are movies by Tarkovsky. And my God, mm. like it's some of them are hard to watch. There's a lot of like silence. There's a lot of like looking into the distance. Yeah. And uh, the guy dies movie I actually found to watch, yeah. and it's not very common in in Russian theater, in the Russian movies. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right, well, this has been, like, a fascinating discussion. I 100% want to do a follow-up. Like, totally. also, maybe, like, some more of the Yuri tales, because now, like, particularly the way you describe the short stories, but also mm-hmm. the I'm a Terrible Movie, because that sounds like a must-watch. Yes. <laughs> like, if it's on Netflix tonight, like, I know my plans. Um, but we do love to end our podcast with this question of, like, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go and why? And uh, if that connects in any way to uh, either this film or movies or pop culture more broadly, we would love to know. Miss you want to go first? Sure. Um, you know, we are going to Russia next week. We're so in. we're excited about so that. And from the political... Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Ryan has never been. Nope. So for him, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> experience. <laughs> but also, you know, Russia has been in the news a lot, unfortunately. And it would be interesting to see the other side of the story and see how Russians talk about us. Mm. I mean, Russians talk about America, talk about Trump. So it would be interesting to see the reaction, you know, on the other side of the ocean. And, <clears throat> and hear what they're hearing. Yes, exactly. So that would be interesting. If I could choose where to go, though, <laughs> uh, you know, I I would want to go to Japan. And this has really nothing to do with anything. I just, <laughs> I like that country. People are so polite. <laughs> and they have really good fish. So that's where yeah. I would be. <laughs> totally Winning fair. Yeah. Ryan, how about you? 
I would either go to Thailand, uh, like a Southeast Asian country, or uh, go even more south and hit New Zealand. Oh, I, totally. I really need a, I need some nature, man. I need an escape from these walls. <laughs> <laughs> Both are beautiful places. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, Annie, how about you this week? You know what? I actually think I would go to the Caucasus region of Russia. I mean, who knew it was so pretty? And I can apparently hike there and camp. Um, walk dance. Through yeah, walk through <laughs> forests. Dance on rocks. I could dance on a rock. So, like, I have all of that I to look forward that. to. I don't know where else I could go. I think I can only go to the Caucasus region of Russia. Caucasus. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very beautiful there. But, you know, going back to how Russia is on TV a lot, I was looking forward to having in the future where Russians are not the bad ones, you know, where Russians are not mobs and mafia and spies. But now with everything going on, I feel like it will never happen. Well, I was almost getting to a point where mm-hmm. far enough after the fall, like the fall of the Soviet yeah. Union, that it was like, oh, like Russians aren't the bad guys anymore. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's amped up, I like since the beginning of 2014, essentially since the, like in popular culture and popular media, it's almost since the Sochi Olympics. I feel like mm-hmm. that changed so much of the dialogue surrounding Russia um, on a media, on a media level at least. But yeah, no, it is. It is interesting, the waves of how that go, um, but along with Annie, like, I saw this, and I was like, oh, like, because I not been to Russia, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, I would love to go to St. Petersburg, I'd love to go to Moscow, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, oh, I would need to take so much more time and really explore so many of the regions, and particularly, like, what you're saying, um, and in the work I do, I learned so much about Armenia all the time, and I was like, Armenia right now is, like, higher on my list as well, and mm-hmm. so thinking um, of the former Soviet Union states, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the countries, you know, in the Caucasus, they're very, very beautiful, have amazing food, amazing wine, so I would, I would highly recommend going there. Uh, Eleanor, we should plan Christmas yeah, I know. Next 2018. <laughs> Before it becomes, like, illegal for us, too. Yeah, we have to move yeah. quickly. Okay. Americans need to hurry up and travel <laughs> while they can. True, <laughs> All true. All the places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, well, Brian and Nissan, thank you so much for guesting with yes. us this week. And we look thank forward to... Thank you for hosting us. Oh, my gosh. So and then fun. when you do your podcast on Russia, we will be avid subscribers. Yes. And eventually, <laughs> you two will get John Lovitz to guest. And yes! And hopefully, you to guest as well. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. we would love to. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to our listeners. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which is not our best way to reach us. But if you can, email at goodfilmhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much.